Since the beginning of time, men have objectified women, from tramp to tart or whore to hoe, and at some point in 2012, a new word was born. Thought, meaning that hoe out there or that hoe over there. Hello, hello, and welcome back to the Spiritual Thoughts Podcast with your host, me, Taylor. And today I have a very special guest. Her name is Lauren from the Date in Peace Podcast. Welcome, Lauren. I'm so excited to have you on. Thank you, Taylor. I'm excited to be here. Um, So if you don't mind, do you want to just tell everybody where they can find you, what you do, and maybe a little bit about your story? Yeah, sure. I am the author of the Mindful Dating Journal. And you can find me on Instagram. And this this journal was really the thing that brought me to this entire path of trying to help people, of making the Date and Peace podcast and really setting out on this mission of bringing all of the things that I learned about mindfulness and self-love to my personal dating life. And it worked so well that I was like, holy crap, I need to share this with the world. So it all started in like about the early to middle of the, the massive COVID quarantine that we were all kind of like forced to be stuck in our homes for a really long time. I got dumped at sort of around that time and it was heartbreaking. I feel like in that moment with all of the other emotions that were coming up because of COVID, it was just so much to the point where I was so overwhelmed that I needed to solve it. I'm naturally an anxious person. Mm -hmm. I was clinically diagnosed with anxiety and depression in yeah. high school, I'm right getting panic attacks. <laughs> I, I know you get panic attacks too. By the time I was in college, I was cutting my wrists. I had attempted suicide. I had really terrible relationship with food and just my life was, was really bad. So you yeah. can imagine with all those things going on in my life, I also had really shitty relationships, a lot of toxic partners. And that was definitely the case with this relationship at the beginning of COVID. That relationship was very unhealthy. And when it ended, you can imagine how I was just like, I'm putting my foot down. I am never going through this again because it just hurt so bad. So I took myself off all the apps, not like there was anything that we could do for dating anyway, because it was yeah. COVID. <laughs> but I just like put my nose in a bunch of books and I would not, I was like, I told myself I would not date again until I felt like I could trust myself. Yeah. Because I was, I honestly didn't know what I was doing wrong. Every time I would find somebody, I'd be like, this is going to be different this now, di different this time. This person feels so good for me. And then it would be almost like the same arguments and the same drama that would happen over again. And I'm like, how am I so blind? Like, what is it that I'm what kind of spell have I led myself under to keep doing this over and over again? Luckily, though, it all came together for me when I finally understood true acceptance, mm. when I could really accept everything about me, everything that was happening in my life, not sugarcoating, not trying to to bury something in hope or fantasy but when i was able to finally say okay this is all the shit that's happening right now in this present moment when i could accept it that's when i could see that there was an alternative choice i like that and so when you decided to like put your nose down and really like learn to trust yourself what did you learn along that way like did, were you able to finally see like where those patterns were coming from and kind of like get down to the root of some of those? 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is like, so I, I uncovered so many things. I was doing all the things wrong. And this goes back to my anxiety, the, the way that I learned to relate to people and connect to people in my childhood was showing up in so many unproductive behavioral traits in myself. I was people pleasing. I had no boundaries. I was emotionally immature. I didn't even know what emotions I had. I just knew that I was anxious and overwhelmed all the time yeah. or angry. Those were the three emotions I felt, <laughs> <laughs> but I never expressed them to everybody else. I was like, I was voted most optimistic of my graduating high school class. So to the world, I was fine. I was, I was great. I was perfect. And the stress of holding that persona up was really killing me inside. And when it came to bringing that person into relationships, I was showing up with like, whatever you need, honey, I'm going to sacrifice anything for this love. And no matter what the problem is, I'm just going to keep sacrificing to make it work. One day I'll prove to you that I'm worthy of your love. And it's just, that's terrible. That's when I, now, after all of the studying that I've done and personally, I know what a healthy relationship is like now, none of that adds up to a healthy relationship. <laughs> so did you notice, cause like, I think our, our stories are kind of similar in kind of where our breakups led us. Cause during um the pandemic, I also went through a pretty rough breakup as well. Um, and we talked about this a little bit on your podcast, but, um, it kind of just shook me up a little bit. And I was like, okay, I have a lot of fucking healing to do. Like, <laughs> cause I was always like into like spirituality and like energy work and like all these things. But like, I wasn't really like aware of why everything was always going wrong and why all these patterns kept coming onto play. And it wasn't until like I dove into shadow work or I dove into like really learning to be honest with where these patterns were coming from and dealing, you know, like, they were basically mirrors for my childhood and like the stuff that, you know, the patterns that your parents play out and the, the, the misneeds that you didn't get in childhood and all those good things. Was there any like, um, specific patterns or, um, things that you found, uh, connected to your childhood within like what was going on in your relationships? Yeah. I think that the biggest aha moment for me that catapulted me into like a direction of acceptance was realizing that I was resentful that other people weren't taking responsibility for things in their life. When I was growing up, I felt very codependent in that I was responsible for regulating my mom's emotions. If there was something going on in her life, I did the best that I could to solve it. I tried to fix her. And I thought that my ability or worthiness of of love my 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 worth my ability to be loved my worthiness of love by her was dependent on how much i could influence her life of how much that i could take responsibility over her problems so i ended up thinking that i, I my needs weren't important i stopped taking responsibility for my life and when i finally was there in the beginning of that that quarantine looking at this breakup mm -hmm. filled with resentment for why this girl couldn't take responsibility for problems in her life and just so filled with anger why is it my fault that i have to fix all these things for you and i was like hold on a second lauren you're ignoring the fact that you weren't taking like i was not taking responsibility for my emotions for yeah. my needs 
I wasn't communicating at all. I said zero boundaries. Yeah. And that was like the the main aha moment for me that hit me. It was like someone kicked me in the gut. It was like, oh fuck, it's me. Like I I'm so hypocritical because I was mad at her for not having her shit together. But I'm like, Lauren, you don't have your shit together. Yeah. Get like, how can you, how can I expect to go and show up in a healthy relationship and put all of that on the other person? Nobody's perfect. <laughs> but all we can do is try to take responsibility for our own baggage, which I was clearly not willing to do because it was too scary. It's hard. That shit's hard. Mm -hmm. It's hard to take responsibility, especially when, and the thing is, is like, it's always so much easier to see like what everybody else is doing wrong and like what they can be doing better and like how they're not taking responsibility. But usually when that angers us so much, it's usually a reflection of what we're not taking responsibility for or the places that we're holding all that anger where, you know what I mean? And so mm -hmm. a lot of times, even just now in my relationship, I, I'm, trying to have that perspective where like, I'm like, okay, going through this laundry list of like everything he's doing wrong. I'm like, wait, okay, but where am I doing those things? And then, so I have to take a step back. And I'm like, okay, I'm actually being an asshole too. So <laughs> I need to, I need to pause <laughs> and apologize and <laughs> stop being a douchebag as well. And Aww. so it's like having that, um, uh, that moment to pause, I think is really important in relationships. Um, and something I'm still working on obviously, but, um, what has been one of the biggest things that you've learned about love through this journey? Mm. Well, I think that the core thing that I learned about love is that if I don't love myself, I can't love anyone else. So a big part of everything that I did after that being that moment of being so alone and feeling so shameful. So like, oh my gosh, I can't even keep this person. Like in, in my mind, this person was a total mess. Like I can't even keep this mess. Like who, it must be me. Like I'm not gonna be able to get anybody, you know? Yeah. So I was like, this is weird. Why am I being so hard on myself? Luckily I had a therapist and I mm -hmm. had all these different, you know, we live in a golden age where you can just buy tons of great books and all the information about all these therapies are online and you could take courses. So I, I was just like, I'm fucking doing this. So I dug my heels into self-love, inner child work. Um, so I did some somatics, like, um, mm -hmm. you know, different ways to release trauma from the body physically, not just with like cognition and, and logic and stuff. I even did something that's been very helpful for me too, was neurofeedback. Um, like where you like, I went to see a special doctor and they gave me these little things that you put on your head and it like does some pulse. It's a terrible job at summarizing what this is, but what I'm really <laughs> trying to illustrate is that self-love is not hard. Self-love is not easy. It's really hard. Actually, you have to come at it from really fucking hard, all angles and it's a consistent practice. Mm hmm yeah it's not like you're just like okay i love myself once and i'm done it's like no you have to like continually keep trying like keep trying to love yourself even through like all the shame and all the anger and all the the ups and the downs it's like oh i look pretty today i love myself it's like no you have to even love yourself when you all your hair looks like a shit show and <laughs> you know you gained weight and you know you fucked up it's like you have to love yourself in those moments too and that's like yeah. the toughest part about self-love is loving yourself through all of the the downs too what did you find was the hardest thing in like your self-love journey 
the first thing that came to my head was letting healthy love in. Mm, yes. Yep. It's, that was so <laughs> scary. So I luckily met my current partner in August of this past year. Congrats. And yay. Thank you. Yes. They are amazing. They bring so much peace and comfort and happiness and joy to my life. But they also brought with, with their presence, they brought up a lot of fear in me mm-hmm. and a lot of anxiety. Looking back in my life, this is the first healthy relationship that I ever truly had. I can't think of any other time where I felt really accepted and safe emotionally, physically, mentally, energetically safe with someone. And my my heart was like, uh-uh, I call bullshit. Something's going to happen here. <laughs> this isn't right. Like yep. it was constantly on guard and it was even making my anxiety worse because I, because I felt so safe, I just kept opening up more and more of my heart. Mm-hmm. And I just kept all of the walls that I had brought with me through life to feel safe against these traumatic partners. Mm-hmm. I was slowly busting them with every step forward with, with my current partner. And that even like felt so terrible. Like it felt like my next step was going to be in into a hole in the ground and I would just lose myself completely. Cause as a codependent person, that's kind of what happened with me is that I would give up myself. I would turn into someone else. I would just completely sever with my higher self, really like just putting any, any part of my true nature, my emotions, my connection to myself was like secondary what I wanted to do was fit my, my energy into how other people wanted me to connect. It's like, I just kind of tacked onto their energy, like a barnacle. (laughs) (laughs) And like, and I just like, I don't even know. I just completely dissociated with my own energy body. So here I am walking into this relationship with someone being fully embodied. My, my, my energy is just like, I'm here. I'm open. <laughs> Let's do this love thing. And I just feel so vulnerable. Yeah. But there was a moment where I started to push my partner away. And I started to feel like I was afraid that they were turning into all of these past, almost like these replicated people over and over again. There were different people, different relationships, but it felt like the same thing. And my mind was tricking me. My ego was like, oh, they cut their cut their broccoli like so and so you better dump them and it's yep. like you know like i was just yep. getting micro triggered and i had to sit there and say lauren what is the evidence here of whether or not this person is actually like your toxic exes toxic exes that's really hard to say <laughs> say that fast five times <laughs> toxic exes toxic exes right or what kind of evidence can i find to support that they're actually the healthiest partner that I've ever had. Luckily, this was around the time when I was making this big freebie about dating check, like a a checklist for dating flags. Mm -hmm. So I was like thinking about red flags and green flags and yellow flags, like constantly for weeks. And I was like, Lauren, it's, it's painfully, it's, it's beautifully obvious (laughs) that your partner is the healthiest person that you've ever had in your life. And I had to remind myself that the skills that mindfulness brings the skills that the the resiliency that having self-love brings allows me to show up in this relationship like I never could before. 
So I, I'm just naturally not going to be vibing with toxic people anymore. Right. <sighs> um, so let me take it back to what you said. So you said one of the hardest things was letting healthy love in. And I agree with that, like so much, so much, especially when you're used to having really toxic partners or especially when you see like your parents having toxic relationships with their partners and things like that. So you're always like on guard and build these walls. And it's really hard to let people in because you're afraid that it's going to lead into those same patterns, especially when you're used to being codependent. And because I like, I see so much mirroring in your story and mine. Um, Love it. how do you keep your bound? Like, I feel like boundaries is a really important aspect of being able to let healthy love in. And so what, um, would you tell somebody that's kind of like on this self love healing journey that eventually wants to let love in, um, but they're having a hard time, like trusting people, like what advice would you give somebody for that? I would say, Learn to trust yourself first because you're the only person that knows what boundaries you need. And you can't, like boundaries aren't rules for other people to follow. Boundaries are the way that you show up in the world and what your limits are and what your ex- like expectations for your own interactions are. It's almost like boundaries are how you're defining how your energy is leaving and how other people's energy is coming in, not not that like you can control their energy, they have free will, right. but it's more just like, this is how I want to feel with people. That's the key, at least for me with learning to trust myself was coming back into connection with those feelings. When you now, for example, like one of the things that I still struggle with, with my current partner is setting boundaries around communication and like time because yes i i just like have so many things that i want to do in this world and i get myself a little worked up sometimes with like and i'm i'm severely underestimating this let's let's rephrase this i can get a little stressed with all of the deadlines and expectations i put on myself you like literally so, you're like a mirror for me right now this is literally the same things i'm going through in my relationship too good yeah. yeah so like my partner just wants to connect right they'll call me and it'll be like 5 30 perfectly appropriate time to call but my brain is still in work mode and i have so many things that i wanted to do and i kind of get a little bit resentful that i have to stop and pick up the phone. So for example, actually, my partner was at a conference today and they didn't have a lot of time. So they called me within the time that they did have. And even though I was feeling stressed and even though I had a lot of stuff to do and deadlines, like legit deadlines, not self-imposed expectations of how much I should achieve, actual deadlines, I picked up the phone and I felt a little bit resentful. I, I noticed that feeling in me. The old Lauren from five years ago, would have just let my partner talk and talk and talk until they they hung, they decided that it was time to hang up. But what I did is I said to my partner, hey, I'm really excited to see you. Hope you're having a great day. Just want to let you know, I really don't have like unlimited time. I have a deadline, but I still have a few more minutes. I'm excited to see like how your day is going. That is a boundary. And yeah. I realized that I needed to set that boundary because I felt the resentment coming up. Mm, yeah. The old Lauren would have noticed. Well, I don't even know if I would have noticed the resentment in that moment, but I would notice the accumulating resentment 
that was boiling in my gut from all the times when I didn't speak up. Yeah. If you're in a healthy, um, safe relationship, it's not scary to tell someone how you feel. So you need to be able to do that for yourself first. If you can sit within yourself and say, what am I feeling? I admit that I'm feeling resentful. Yeah. Let me accept this and say, well, why, what is it that I'm doing that's cre or not doing that's allowing this resentment to linger? And what can I do to dispel it, to, to not like push it away, but to listen to it, to validate it. Yeah. One of the things that I found, um, with myself is that when I do feel those feelings of resentment, it's usually because I haven't set a boundary that I needed to set. And it, a lot of times it's around like time stuff like that. And it's like, oh, well, they'll just figure it out or, oh, they'll just, you know, they'll just know, or I'll like, just start doing something. He's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm doing this thing because I have to get this and this done. He's like, well, you, you didn't communicate any of that. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And then, so it's like yeah. having those moments <laughs> where you're like, okay, I have, I feel like this because I haven't communicated or I haven't set that boundary. Yeah. And I think when you're kind of like a former people pleaser, or like we're in codependent relationships, it's hard to like speak up and, you know, lay those boundaries down. But like, as you do them more and more, it becomes easier and easier. And I think just mm -hmm. having that awareness of like, oh shit, I actually didn't set that boundary. So I really have no right to be mad. <laughs> it's like yeah. a big thing too, because people aren't mind readers. Um, Another thing that I wanted to bring up about letting healthy love in is there's like this trap that we're always healing, always healing, always healing. But then we set these limits where I have to be this healed to like achieve this goal or this healed to, you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Um, one of the things I wanted to point out is like, you don't have to be completely healed to find healthy love. Um, because if your, your partner is like, also on the track of like healing and improving themselves. And they know that you're also on that co-regulating together is such a powerful tool. Um, because like we're social creatures, regardless of how introverted or how much you say you hate people, we all need relationships, right? <laughs> we all need healthy love and healthy relationships. And I did all of this self-work and I was an anxious attachment and codependent. And I healed all of that within me. And like, so I started going on dating apps and then I, you know, didn't feel those like draws to like have to respond right away or have to, you know what I mean? But then when I got into the relationship that I am in now with my current partner, I've noticed a lot of patterns come up and it's like, okay, well, I thought I healed so much, you know? And it's like, what I'm trying to get at is you're always going to have stuff to heal. And I think once you have enough love for yourself or you have enough compassion like your self-love doesn't have to be perfect and your self-love doesn't have or your self-compassion doesn't have to be perfect we're all gonna fuck up and make mistakes but that doesn't mean that you don't get to do, to interact with healthy love do you think there's a line um between like striving for that perfectionism and healing and it becoming like a problem and actually doing like the healing work to, to get rid of patterns, to let love in. Like, where do you think that line is or is there a lot like, yeah, it's, it's a really beautiful question. The first thing I would say is that healthy doesn't mean healed. Like you're mm -hmm. saying, yep. but to be healthy, I think it only really requires two things, mm -hmm. awareness and willingness. Mm -hmm. And if you and your partner have those two things, you're golden. You're, I you know, love that. You I can love be that a, so much. You can be as imperfect as you want, 
and be healthy as long as you have the awareness and the willingness. The other thing too, um, this the word perfection is a, is the creator of problems right now. <laughs> it's like yes, acceptance means that there you're accepting the fact that imper imperfection exists. So if you can show up to your relationship, your healthy relationship with this baseline mindful acceptance, which means you're not bringing any judgment, you're just allowing things to be as they are, appreciating things as they are, you're going to be able to say, wait, perfection doesn't exist. So therefore, I am ready for healthy love because I don't have to be perfect. I'm already perfect. And I think this kind of goes back to the chart that that you sent me this beautiful grid of all these emotions what is the name of this chart again uh the chart of consciousness it was developed by um dr david hawkins yeah i love it it's it i feel like this is exactly what i've been learning like like the universe has been trying to teach me for these past couple of weeks the idea that you have all of these heavier emotions lower on the chart and then as you go up you get to the emotions like acceptance love peace and the, the beautiful thing is, is that when you can get to acceptance, it, that's like, to me, when I was looking at this chart, it's like the reset point. Like, you know, when you die in a video game and you come back into like that spawn point, yes. I feel like that's what acceptance is. And luckily that's, that's well above the middle line of this chart because when you can say, oh, I'm feeling resentment, I'm accepting the resentment respawn, you get yeah. to start over. Yeah. <laughs> And then one of the things I'd like to point out too is like, we have this, like, I feel like love is so romanticized in like, we do it ourselves. Like we romanticize love that it's going to be like, when you meet your person or your soulmate, it's going to be like this perfect, like flawless flowing relationship. And like, you're never going to argue and like all these things you have in your head. And so I love what you said about healthy love, just requiring two things where it's just willingness and accept and willingness and acceptance is what you said, right? Uh, awareness, but awareness, I almost equate awareness, awareness and acceptance and it, yeah, because kind of you similar. have to be objectively accepting things in order mm -hmm. to be aware of them. It implies that you're not attached to outcomes. Yeah. You were kind of talking about um, like red flags, green flags, yellow flags. What would you say are some like green flags in a relationship or in love? Uh, emotional, emotional availability, but also emotional maturity. Mm -hmm. that someone is willing to talk about their feelings and allow me to talk about my feelings mm -hmm. in a way that's just like kind and validating another thing is is just um that that's those same two important things the being aware and being willing so if you do have a conversation or you do bring up a boundary that they're going to hear you out that they're not going to push you away and that they also set boundaries when someone sets a boundary with me i'm like respect like, I love when people set boundaries. I'm like, you go girl or boy, because <laughs> that's not easy, you know, yeah. for me. So it's, it's kind of like, you know, maybe if you are in a new relationship and somebody sets a boundary or you have like a little conflict, that's great. It's good mm -hmm. that that came up because now you get to learn how that other person is going to respond in those situations. It can tell you a lot about whether or not they're going to be healthy and it's a test for your compatibility. Yeah. If you go through dating and expect everything to be perfect and you don't um, stand up for yourself because you're afraid of conflict, you're doing yourself a disservice because there's so much data and research that you could have gotten early on 
yeah. to save both of you time to figure out whether or not you're going to be able to feel safe with each other. Yeah. And so what are some red flags that you have for people, obviously, besides the obvious ones like abuse or neglect or those kind of things, like what are some less obvious red flags for people to look out for in relationships as they heal? I'm going to go back to what we talked about earlier with trust and how learning to trust other people, I think really begins with learning to trust yourself and your emotions, because you're, you're essentially just learning how to keep yourself safe and trusting yourself to keep yourself safe. So when it comes to red flags, that's the same technique. Mm. When, how do you feel when you're around this person? Yeah. And if you feel angry, anxious, um, threatened in any way, okay, that's fine. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're not good for you or that you can't make this work. But when you do stand up for yourself and you do say something, how does that make you feel when they respond? Yeah. Do they, do they trigger you further with their dismissiveness? Do they invalidate you? Or does their response shift out of those emotions and then make you feel peace, make you feel safe, make you feel heard? That's a signal. It's almost like Green and red flags are really almost kind of like beacons in your own energy of like, mm. how do I feel? Oh, that's like a, I almost want to say it's like a red flash of light Yeah, that you can equate that with an emotion coming up. So when you express a boundary, pay attention to that light and see what color it turns. If it turns green, wonderful. You're, you're on a good path, you know? That And that's why it's so important to create that trust within yourself because um, kind of like going back to what you said before, where like you were with your partner and all of a sudden it got to this stage where like your mind was kind of tricking you into seeing patterns that weren't there. So how do you discern between, um, so say you're, you're feeling anxious or angry in your relationship and you're trying to discern whether that's like your past traumas, trying to project that onto your relationship, or if those are actually occurring to you. Man, I, that might be something you need help with the therapist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say that for me, when that kind of thing happens, it's a, it becomes an obsession in my mm. mind. I start to really hyper-focus on it and I'm always contemplating what decision I should make. Yeah. So, and that's when I know I'm like in, I'm in an anxious attachment trigger because I'm like, oh, I need to decide something. I need to either act or I either need to abandon mm. and I feel like I need to choose. So, so it's like that, it's almost like, how, you know, it's kind of um, almost like a self-inflicted projection when it feels like that urgency is kind of. Yeah. It's all, it's like a, a thought loop that goes mm, yeah. on in my head. Yeah. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. And for, for that, I mean, journaling is really great. Yeah. Cognitive behavioral therapy is what I use when I get into that. Cause it's really just a logic loop Yeah, and I keep having the same what if, and, and the past, it was like this. And, and if it goes in the future, it'll be like this. So then I just use all my skills. I do still have a therapist too. I can't not give her credit for all oh, the help yeah. that she hands me on, <laughs> on a regular Therapists basis. Therapists are awesome. <laughs> Hell yeah. But I, I think that that's the key is, is when you notice that there's a loop, mm -hmm. start to try to poke holes in it. Yeah. Cause you're probably in a projection, little tiny ball where you're only seeing one little side of your yeah. emotional health that you've created <laughs> for yourself. I like that a lot. And then I'd like to also add to that. Um, I think also trying to get out of your head and more into your body. So if you notice that you're kind of caught in this loop is like literally 
go do something physical with your body. Like go run on the treadmill or go take a walk or go dance it naked in front of your mirror or like even go take a shower. Like I think just having some type of like disruptor to disrupt that pattern. Um, sometimes I notice if I'm caught in a thought loop like that, um, I will literally just like shake out my entire body. Nice. <laughs> I'll just like shake it out. I'm like, okay, all right. Now, is this legit logic or is this a thought loop, you know? And I think um, a lot of times when we're in those thought loops, we're, we end up uh, dissociating from the present moment. And I think um, having some type of technique, whether it's like a certain breathing pattern or breath work, or just like kind of what you said, just like having that awareness or that mindfulness or doing something with your body, just something to kind of poke a hole or disrupt that loop is helpful because yeah. it's like once you have that momentum going in one direction, it's hard to stop it. But when you do stop it and you put that, like, you're like, okay, pause, then you can move it, the momentum in a different direction, which is kind of cool. Exactly. And that shaking your body thing yeah. is you're basically just turning your parasympathetic or your rest mm -hmm. and digest system online. Yeah. And that is literally stopping the fight or flight sequence so that you can access that, that respawn point of yeah. acceptance. Yeah. And it's funny because that's actually something that animals do in the wild. So if um, like a rabbit is getting hunted by like a fox or who, I don't know who hunts rabbits, but all sorts of animals hunt rabbits. <laughs> but so if like a, a rabbit was just being chased by a predator and he gets back to his like little rabbit hole um, before he goes into the rabbit hole and brings all that tension into the, um, the, the rest of his little rabbit family, what they'll do is they'll literally sit there and shake their body and shake off all that trauma and dislodge it from their body. And then they go back into their little hole and go about their Aww. little rabbit. It, it's, it's really cool. It's so so cool. it's like something that like nature does. So, if, I mean, you know, they're getting chased by predators and they can shake it off. It's like, it's proof that it like does something to disrupt that, like, you know, that kind of trauma fight or flight, whatever pattern. So I love that. And if you have a really bad date and you just felt like it brought up a lot of shit as this person's like leaving in the parking lot, clear view of you, just shake like a crazy person. <laughs> yeah. Two, two birds, you know, one, one stone, stone. You'll never yeah. have to see them again. <laughs> Perfect. I love that. Um, there is something else I was going to touch on that you said to, um, oh, vulnerability. So with love comes vulnerability, right? You can't really have real love without vulnerability. Um, how did you overcome that like barrier? Like how did you break down those walls to be able to let yourself be vulnerable? Mm, I mean, that's something I still struggle with. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's going to be an ongoing battle is how do I show up authentically and vulnerably yeah. in the world um, and do so in a way that I feel safe. Yeah. Uh, I think that having the trust in myself to having the connection with my emotions i rely on that it allows me to step back a little bit so let me kind of go back up for a minute here and set this up so growing up an anxious person i was in fight or flight all the time like we were just talking about right always on guard constantly in that lower end of the chart of the the feelings of fear anger, anxiety. So my, the way that I learned to connect, especially as a codependent member, I was saying that I learned to shove my energy to be received by the way that other people wanted my energy to come into their life. I stopped expressing my energy authentically. 
I was too afraid to allow the energy to come in to me and leave me in a way that was uniquely me because I didn't think people wanted it. Probably because when I did do that, my mom was like, what are you doing? My needs. (laughs) Just kidding. I love my mom now. I'm making her seem like she's a terrible person. She was a great mom, but yeah, everyone has their, their own things, you know? Yeah. um, There's this, my mom actually goes and sees a therapist and her therapist says, you know, we all give our kids wounds and gifts. She's like, so she's like, it doesn't make you a terrible mom. Cause we talk about like trauma stuff all the time too. So it's like your parent could have been a a loving parent, but it doesn't mean they didn't fuck up and it didn't affect you, you know? Yeah. And she only did the best she could with the skills that she learned from her parents. So, but at any rate, I grew up having this feeling like I needed to always be what my mom needed or whoever needed, or else it was going to be a repercussion and I was going to get hurt. So as I'm moving through life now, what scares me the most? Vulnerability. I never, I never learned how to feel safe having my true essence flow through me. I was constantly shape-shifting to be what other people wanted my energy to be. So here I am in the dating world and it's, it's totally worth the risk is what I'll tell you. Like, I don't know if there was a specific thing or a specific shift that I was finally like, okay, I'm finally ready to be vulnerable. I think it's that it's like a slow build. I took two steps forward with kind of putting myself out there. And then something happened when I realized, oh, here's another opportunity for me to set a boundary. Great. Took a step backward, you know, and then slowly and slowly you, you get more and more comfortable, but it's, it's totally worth it because now that I'm here, I have the one thing that I think all humans really deeply crave is to show up authentically me to be able to express me and feel yeah. like, you know, fuck all you people. If you don't like me, <laughs> I don't care anymore. I'm done shape-shifting for you. Yeah, I'm on this planet to make a difference because of how I can filter consciousness. Yeah. And, and if beautiful. I'm trying, yeah, if I'm trying to make myself fit all of you, I'm, I'm not doing my job as a, as a human, as a light worker, because yeah. I'm just like shutting it down, which I don't, I'm just so grateful that you asked me this question, Taylor, because this is exactly <laughs> what I've been working on this past week is learning how to just own my expression yeah, and to stop worrying about how other people might reject or judge me because I'm not doing it for them. Yeah. You're doing it for you. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Is there anything else um, you have or any advice you have for people trying to navigate love as they heal? Man, I would, I mean, I have so many things that I would love to share. I feel like I could just keep talking about this with you for (laughs) hours. If anybody has any direct or specific questions, please feel free to reach out to me. I absolutely love connecting with people and I learn things from every human. So uh, I'm open for anybody that needs me. I would say my biggest advice to you would be to come up with some kind of practice or habit that you can start incorporating right away. Mm-hmm. It could be meditation. I know meditation is not for everybody. It could be uh, an informal mindfulness practice and you can just Google any, any, there's so many things on the internet for either of these. Um, writing down three things that you're grateful for, saying something that you love to yourself in the mirror every morning. I don't give a shit what you pick. 
Just yeah. pick something <laughs> and do it every day for like, mm, I'll say six weeks. Yeah. And just notice how you feel through that. The, the whole point of doing this is that I think a lot of people think that, oh, I need to do some really big, deep work in order to heal. Yes, that that's definitely a path. But what has been consistent for me and my healing is building the skill of awareness and just doing something every day that reconnects me to myself, whether, I mean, I do meditation and mindfulness, obviously, but it could be anything that really makes you feel peaceful. Yeah. That makes you take a break from any of those thought loops that just allows you to reconnect with the present moment and your senses. I love that. So very beautifully put. Um, well, thank you so much for this. It's been such a wonderful conversation. Um, if you want to let everybody know uh, where to find you, what you're working on um, and all that good stuff. Oh, thank you so much, Taylor. I love this conversation. I want <laughs> to have too. you back on my podcast again. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. You guys can find me on Instagram at metadate, M-E-T-T-A. You can find my book, The Mindful Dating Journal on Amazon, and actually made the book into a free mobile app. So if you just go on to the app or Google Play stores, you can find it under Metadate Journal. Love that. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. Um, we're definitely going to have to do more episodes together, either on yours or mine. We'll figure it out. But um, I Yay. really love this conversation. And thank you for navigating us through this um, section of consciousness. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you, Taylor. Yay.